I'm Tori, holistic health and life coach and founder of T-Balance, my coaching practice that helps people become the best versions of themselves by looking at all areas of life. And this is my podcast, where I chat to many incredible souls about all things balance, sustainability, hypnotherapy, addiction, skincare, inflammation, and much more. I hope you're enjoying the series so far, and if you're new, then welcome. Today, I'm welcoming Nicola Vivian to the podcast. Nicola is a self-proclaimed addict. Following the fatal heroin overdose of her boyfriend when she was just 24, Nicola spiralled into the depths of grief. Her way out from it was to examine profoundly and meticulously the mysterious forces of addiction and the emotional vulnerability from which they grow. She has recently published her book, My Will, which is both a brutally uncompromising tale of addiction and an exquisite love story. In this episode, we chat about all things addiction, how patterns formed in early life translate into patterns within relationships, the ins and outs of codependency, and much more. Let's get to it. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Nikki, hello. It's so lovely to have you on the podcast. How are you? I'm fine, Tori. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's such a pleasure. So... I came and heard you speak the other day, which I absolutely loved, and your opening line of your talk just had me literally right under your control from the first moment. So what what was the opening line of your talk, and can you tell us about your story? So the opening line I think you're thinking about is when I say that my name is Nicola, I'm an addict, and my addiction is love, and it's not the fuzzy, romantic love of movies, it's the sort of crippling, enabling ghastly love of codependence that um that came about because I'm the child of an alcoholic incredibly common that's a very very common theme you pick up as the child you often pick up the pieces of your parent and in order to make them better in order to make everything better in fact in in your family life and you take on the role of rescuer with absolutely no uh consideration for yourself because for them to be happy is your or for them to be okay and, and surviving is is your main goal, is your main focus. Totally. So that's what happened and happens all the time. Yes. And then how did that move on? So that was your childhood with your father. And my my father also, he left at an early age, when I was early, when I was young, I'm sorry. And um, that I took to mean that I wasn't good enough, pretty enough, clever enough, quiet enough, all those things. He didn't want to be with me, so that's how I read it. In fact, only now do I know that that was not right, but I took that on board as a young child, and um, with that, it's another very common theme, people become uh, perfectionists, and that's a massively, in fact, I think that's an addiction in itself. And you strive, strive, strive all your life to be um, perfect at absolutely everything you do for them, really. It, it, it's not for you, it's for them. And that's part of that is the rescuing thing. You have to be the best rescuer, the best saviour. And, um, of course, you fail all the time because they don't stop drinking or they don't stop taking drugs or or whatever the addiction is and um so you spend your whole life beating yourself up with terrible 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 self-contempt you're not good enough yes you're not good enough you really are not good enough you know it goes on and on and on and that um translates in later life with just the same pattern the same story you you repeat over and over again i i then fell in love always with 
addicts of sorts, alcoholics or drug addicts. And the great love of my life happened to be a drug addict and really a very similar person to my father. So it's... Interesting how we actually mirror what we've grown up with yes. in our yes. relation, in our adult relationships. Yes, because it's all you know, right? Yeah. So, you you a dog does that. That's all they know. Apparently, dogs who are maltreated will always, if they're if they're told to go away, leave leave the house, they'll always go back to the house that they that in oh. which they were maltreated because that's all they know. Yeah. It's just okay, your brain reacts with trauma or chronic trauma or perceived trauma. Your brain apparently reacts like that. It's it sets a pattern mm. and you keep on repeating. Totally. And it's so interesting because I can recognise that in previous relationships of mine, not actually with addicts, but from one to the other. Unless I had done the growing and the pattern changing in between, I would attract someone with exactly the same traits happens with friends of mine, et cetera, et cetera. And it's so interesting, actually, this whole concept of pattern changing and yeah. pattern creating or sort of re-sort of working in your mind. It's that whole mm. thing about actually we have to look at the patterns that are given we, to us. We have to be really aware of the patterns first, yes, don't we? Because that's totally. most of the time most of us are really blind to that. Absolutely. Possibly because they don't want to. See, yeah. um, and it's hard work, and that you know most of us don't want that yeah. hard work. I think you get to a certain point when you think, I, I can't, I can't f- function in the life that I'm choosing. I have to find totally. another way of functioning. Yeah. So, I definitely want to move on to that. But just to quickly speak about your wonderful, wonderful book that you launched earlier, earlier in the summer. Or yes, in May. In May. In May yes. Amazing. So I have to admit and hold my hands up that I am a notoriously slow reader. So I am halfway through, but I have it in my hands here and I love it. And um, your story is so harrowing, so heartfelt and, and magical in some ways because of the love that you had and have and things. And I just, I love it. I'm halfway through it and I can't wait to finish it. Very sweet. But I just did want to sort of touch a little bit on your relationship with Mm -hmm. Will and how it came about and sorry not came about but how it sort of formed and what you felt of yourself sort of in it and well I suppose I mean I was young and in those days mental health wasn't discussed so I was not I thought I was terribly grown up but I probably wasn't at all um, evolved as far as or self-aware is the word and um, I was very aware of everybody around me, like my, my father, who I concentrated on 100% and analysed and, and, you know, figured out how, what his next moves were going to be or, or stopped those catastrophes from happening so that he didn't... For me, I wasn't at all self-aware. And so when Will came into my life, there was... Heroin was huge in those days and I was a very... I was a scaredy cat. I never took drugs. I never drank, um, largely because of my father's alcoholism. And so there was sort of discussion that Will was a heroin addict, but he he came into my life in the south of France, which is where I used to go. Um, It sounds very glamorous, but I rented a funny little studio up in the hills with a girlfriend um, up in the hills above Saint-Tropez, and we sold... Uh, bikinis that we had made I had pa- painted the silk and she had made them into bikinis oh gosh, we sold, <laughs> sold I do remember that from the book everyone who does we, so we sold those on the beach and it was fun 
you know, my, my, the silk would run in the, in the water and <laughs> change colour. Oh. But still, and he came along when, you know, he looked, he looked sort of wonderful and suntanned and he didn't look at all unhealthy. I had no, I had no concept of the horrors of heroin. But when we came back from, to, from France to England, he, there were sort of vitamin C powder appeared and, and silver foil. I had no idea. And then it was this very sort of, Actually, it wasn't slow. It was a pretty quick descent into suddenly Will wasn't quite the person that he had been in the south of France. And But I wasn't really aware of it. And, of course, I kept thinking, what have I done wrong? Mm. Maybe it's my fault. You know, the same old uh, self-contempt kept coming back. And it was you know, always pointing the blame at myself because that's what you do as a child. When your parents are not OK, you point the blame at yourself. Yeah. That's, so that's what I did with Will. And then I realised when it was obviously too late, and I was not too late, but when I was very much ensconced in loving him, that this he was properly addicted to heroin. And of course, heroin addiction isn't pretty, and certainly after a long time, because they can't find a vein, all their veins are dead. It, it's harrowing. It's You're, you're listening to their, them screaming. I was listening to him screaming, trying to find a vein. Um... You know, he was comatose on the kitchen floor. Blood was always splattered all over the kitchen surfaces. It, it's it's quite harrowing. But I couldn't let him waste himself. I mean, this was a beautiful, glorious, uh, fragile and, and self-doubting, but kind and funny man. I couldn't let him waste himself. So I stepped up a gear <laughs> and looked and looked and looked for every single witch way I could go to to find that um, to find that the, the, the path to, to, to save him <laughs> but I didn't he had a year being clean which was sort of um, wonderful and stressful all at the same time because he never went to NA or AA and um, had he done then things might have been different but mm. God, it's so it's so so tough, and actually the NA and AA as a whole, it's so powerful because it really keeps them not just clean but sober. I believe it gives them this incredible structure as well. I think mm. that's incredibly important to human beings, isn't it? It's mm. so it's and when you're lost, you have this wonderful structure. You go to a place where you feel safe, and you go through the steps. And you hear other people, obviously, the sharing, the connection, that aspect is is really, really healing mm. in itself. That's the most crucial aspect. Totally, because you, well, as an addict, as a heroin or a drug addict, one must feel so alone. Yes. Because the majority of people in your life aren't. Yes. So sharing with people in your subject. But I mean, I think that you're, you're completely right. And I also think that any form of mental, uh, poor mental health or mental disorder is the same you 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 lock yourself away inside your head with these awful 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 thoughts and without sharing to people mm. you're really alone as you say you're really really lonely and I think that's people talk about this loneliness epidemic that we have totally. now so that's part of it I think so absolutely sharing even sharing with you Tori it's now it's so it's special important. Yeah, yes it's, very important. it's really important very, very important mm. so from where you were at obviously so Will so sadly died 
a year or so after how long he was a year clean and then he yeah and then he was what happens with um heroin well i mean i don't know about other drugs but heroin addiction is is they take the same dose as they took when they stopped um their body of course is is healthy and not used to that so that's why they die always that's the um so he yeah so he died of an overdose practically maybe just a little bit over a year after being clean and he had a good he had a good year so it's a shame hey it's a shame <laughs> it's a really big shame but it's just it's bigger than a shame yes it's a... i'm so glad for you though that you had that time yeah. with him yes of living a more functioning life. it was it was it was stressful because of course addiction is um Addiction is also, an, I think, kind of like an illness of the mind in a way because without going to AA and NA, he actually shifted, and you'll get to that in the book, he shifted his heroin addiction onto a terrible, terrible OCD and that became his sort of ruler yeah. and um, was quite scary. He was quite trance-like about it. He would spend two to three hours, you know, tapping a door handle or a, or a light switch or something until he got to wow. a certain number when he felt safe and wow. then he and then he would snap out of it and he'd be amazingly okay and I would be a wreck yeah. because I I had never dared I never dared penetrate this trance because I always thought if I do then then it'll just end in catastrophe he'll go and he'll go and score he'll he'll die he'll you know and so Tasty. I never dared that the fear and the worry yes the codependent angle yes exactly Mm. so how did you cope in this time did you could you recognize your codependency no um no 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 for me this was just loving and this is what you did as as loving I I I definitely inherited from my mother who was very religious is very religious still alive um the self-sacrifice thing that was a great plus in her in her column and so I thought I just presumed that this was how you loved particularly as being my father's child as well so I didn't recognize it I rang up a clinic one day and um when he was really in a bad way well he couldn't walk he had a stick he he looked awful he looked like he'd just come back from war everything was bandaged up all his arms all his legs and I rang up a clinic and they said well let's actually you need help as much as he needs help and I was furious because I I had given my whole being into loving this man to be told that I was sick was almost like a slap in the face so I was very cross do you know what I can so relate to that and my youngest brother is a recovering drug addict and I lived with him when he was rife in his addiction and I bent over backwards Mm. for him because you're loving and you think that you know their life suddenly becomes more important than yours and I was waking him up at 5 30 to go to work and making his bed and making him food and making sure that he was fine little did I know that I was actually deteriorating Mm. while that was happening and when he finally did go to rehab we had a family therapist that was helping us and the therapist said to me do you struggle in relationships Mm. you are codependent and you need help as well and also did you recognize that no I couldn't really recognize it and then the thing that actually I found the hardest, and this is a sort of great analogy for codependency, well, and boundaries, I suppose, which we'll come on to, was 
the therapist said to me, if he turns up at your door and he has relapsed or he's high, what would you do? And I said, oh, I'd let him in and I'd put him on the sofa and I'd put a rug with him and I'd give him some water. And the therapist looked at me and was like, right. <laughs> he was like, no, you, you shut the door and you sent him away or you don't even answer the door. Oh, it's so tough. It's tough so love, tough love, tough, tough love. Tough love. Yes. But I couldn't grasp this whole thing of how with my beloved, by the way, 19-year-old brother at the time was going like um, in that sort of place that I wasn't able to help him. Yes. But I didn't understand yes. that <gasps> I was actually helping him by doing that. Enabling by, him. Uh, and sorry, that I was helping him by shutting him out. Yes. And enabling him yes. by letting him in. Exactly, yes. And so it's that whole warped thing in your mind. It you're is. Like, it's the opposite to what we as children grow up yeah and like you said with your mother is you know put everyone first put everyone first think about everyone first and also we're women and women do have the mothering gene so it's really Mm. really hard to know where that boundary is totally i mean really hard really hard and it's that sort of nurturing yeah yeah instinct yes it it is I, i mean there's lots and lots and lots of codependent men but i think that it's much more common within women because yeah. of the gene totally maternal gene can we come on to codependency mm. so it's a word which i am familiar with in so many ways but i i know the definition but i also don't in mm. some other ways so for those who are listening who really don't know anything about codependency what exactly is it oh it's lots of things i think it's um the most the most obvious thing I think is loving without boundaries as we've just said so loving um somebody caring for somebody um without any concept of your needs without thought of your needs in fact so you have sacrificed yourself or compromised yourself to give to them to make their life better you in you are enabling their um destruction in a sense often there's all sorts of forms of codependency um you know there are feeders um who are feeding people up making them hugely obese so that Mm -hmm. they're dependent on it it's a dependence on each other one person needs that person to prop them up the other person needs the other well they're they're both propping themselves up in in different ways aren't they um it's a dependent on on that dependence really totally yeah and what is it that okay so obviously boundaries setting boundaries is a really great way to gain back your power and to release that codependent Mm. relationship do you think is that the stage one of what you would do or how do you recognize if you're codependent you're spending all your time really thinking about analyzing or physically giving to this other person and you you don't have a life anymore you're 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 certainly not having your needs met you're certainly not um thinking about your own hurts or your own pains uh your life really doesn't function but it doesn't really matter does it because their life is the most important (laughs) that's where you are you're you're putting them before everything else I, i i realized that i was sitting on streets in Notting Hill in those days Notting Hill was really really not as it is nowadays it Mm. was boarded up 
houses and not all of it, but some parts of it, and sort of littered with uh, needles and uh, the streets were littered with needles. And I was sitting there late, late at night, really late at night in the pouring rain and knowing that behind these boarded windows there were dealers with guns and I was scared. But I didn't ever think I was scared. I didn't even, it didn't even... It didn't even come into my brain that I should be thinking that I that I was scared in a way. It was it was much more about like okay, I've got to get him home. He's got to be okay. And God, if there if what's happening in there? I mean, he's he's taking time. I mean, I've got to go in and rescue him. He might be, they might be doing awful things. You know, never know. You're conjuring up all all sorts of terrible stories for them, mm. but you're not thinking about the terrible stories that are going on in your yeah, own head about exactly. yourself. And so we haven't spoken about how old were you at this stage? So he died when I was 24, so this was, I was 22, 23, 24. Mm. So young. Yeah, so young, clueless, yeah. Clueless, but you also think that you yeah. know everything yes. so at, that, at any age, yes. don't we? So yeah. you don't yes. recognise it at the yeah. time, but yeah, absolutely. So coming back to the kind of acknowledging codependency within I'm thinking about ways in which perhaps if anyone's listening and they're thinking god I'm I'm living my life for someone else or I'm really propping someone else up and I'm not thinking about me and like I think it's really really important that what strikes me as being amazing is is that we go to doctors we have physical checkups we look at our bank account we look to see we have financial checkups as it were we look to see how much money we're spending but we we don't sit down often enough and say what's going on in my emotional state what 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 are the you know we don't check up on that often enough we should really do it on a weekly basis mm. i think because we change and fluctuate so much so i think it's incredibly important to look at yourself and see um what am i am i happy or am i content because happy is a big word am i content am i having my needs met am i hurting the whole time am i in pain the whole time what what's happening with me where am i that's the first thing because otherwise we're just charging on blindly aren't we we're not mm. we have to ask ourselves those questions when we see that actually we're hurting we have to understand what is hurting us and it's really hopeless to keep on saying well they are we cannot blame other people because we get stuck then in that victim mentality mm. of of well it's their fault and blah, blah, blah. it's not it's always our fault totally. we choose to sit in a car late at night when the rain's coming down waiting for our drug addict boyfriend to, to, to score we choose that no one has a well most of us don't have a gun being pointed at us and um so we then have to delve into that we have to say okay so what are we choosing to do and what can we choose to do differently and those are the boundaries that then come in and I think for me when I began to understand what I who I was as a person separate from other people because of course codependents don't have um, any sense of themselves they they see themselves and find themselves in other people yeah. their worth is found in other people therefore we have to find our own worth separate from other people and we, we can only do that by saying what, what do I like what do I dislike what makes me happy what makes me unhappy what makes me healthy what makes me unhealthy once we've discovered those things we know what makes us hurt and for me I know that maybe I should set the boundaries even before this but it's like when I start feeling a little bit of hurt in my tummy that's when the boundary comes down mm. nope that's when I have to say uh, help 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 what do I do now and totally. then I say no no is the 
easiest way to set any boundary. It's saying so no. it's so hard to get to that place yes. of finding that you need to say no. But yes. once you said it, it yeah. literally lifts so much weight You're off right. your shoulders. It really, really does. But it's also that thing about remembering that no one can make you feel anything. And this is something that, while mm. I know, as in, do you, do you agree with that? Yes. Do you feel, yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, it is so incredibly hard to get a grasp on because when you are in an intimate relationship yeah. and there is love involved, naturally, what you are creating together makes you feel love, doesn't it? I think that there, there's, there's a, when you're in that relationship you're talking about, there's a need involved in the love and you need each other to love. Yeah. To, 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 you need them to love you. Totally. Therefore, everything gets a bit warped. Bit warped. Yes. But the, but even when you are in a healthy, loving relationship, do yes. you still feel love? Yeah. You Absolutely. Know? So it's yeah. so it's so what I'm trying to say here is to be really clear between when people can make if someone is being abusive. Um, we were speaking mm-hmm. about actually sort of gaslighting, gaslighting. a bit before mm-hmm. someone's being abusive, or if someone is um, constantly letting you down and you're feeling yeah. sort of you're feeling these things. That's actually for your responsibility to take control, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. However, when you are in a loving relationship that is healthy, you can still feel love. So that's the good part of it. And this absolutely, is the, yes, uh, yes. Love, so, healthy love is yes. It's quite a different thing, and it's really, really hard to know when you are in that relationship what is sort of right and wrong yeah you know, what, what is um abusive and not abusive mm. it, it's really really hard I mean I when you're in the feeling you're it's harder to be intellectual about it totally you're and just even, feeling you know yeah you're just feeling and <laughs> yes. you can't quite control it and yes I noticed that within myself so I've done a lot of work on my boundaries and managing expectations and stepping out of the ring well and done. all yeah. of that sort of thing yeah. but at the same time because it was a huge part of my life for a series of however long it yeah. was. Actually, probably for longer than I think. Yes. Because um, your childhood, you know, Absolutely. I can really relate to when you said about um, guessing what mood your father was in. Right. And I don't, my dad isn't an addict or anything, but still it's that thing as a little girl. Like, mm-hmm. how are they going to react to this? So I've got to please Exactly. Yes. Just naturally, I'm not sure why that was placed on my in my mind. But anyway, sort of coming back to this, it's that thing where... I believe to be in an incredibly healthy relationship, but sometimes if I don't keep up with my self care, my this, my that, whatever it might be, and my mind in a straight place and seeing my therapist and doing this, I can let myself slip. Yeah. And it's that thing where perhaps a few weeks ago I might have reacted in one way and then today I might react in a different way. Yes. And it's about also being kind to yourself yes. with that. Yes. And acknowledging that it's you're never healed yes and I and I think think that it's um so I think that whatever our backgrounds childhoods have been human beings sadly are always prone to uh self-contempt contempt is a huge word but to to take on the blame to say that we're wrong there are very few people who are always saying oh I'm the best I'm the best genuinely inside yeah. most of us are like no it's our fault it's our fault it's us because we're not good enough it's because we're not pretty enough it's because we're not we've always got something that we're yeah. beating ourselves up about and that's the thing that we have to try really have to try and lose because we are we are responsible we are the only ones responsible for making a mess of our mental life and that goes out into every other aspect mm. of our life that will feed every other aspect of our life so I think that that's really really important and when you talk about getting 
what did you say? You said something like um, coming out of the ring, stepping yes. out of the ring. It is, that's how I see it. It's sort of like you are caught in this ring of thinking, like a little bull ring or totally. something, yes? And you can't, you can't step out of it until almost, I find it helpful when I read examples in a book of other people and I go, yes, 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 that's, how, that's, that's what my relationship, <laughs> that's when I see, it's only then that I see that I'm in the ring, as it were. Absolutely. Seeing other people or, or reading examples or, or hearing other people's stories. Yeah. And you just have to just understand that actually by you being in the ring, nothing's changing, no. nothing's getting better, no. nothing's... Da, 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 da. No, you're spinning around, so around, around. Exactly. Yeah. And you're just basically it's at your own detriment really. yes so you have to step away and be like right I need to focus on my it's stuff. a shame that it's all such hard work isn't oh my it? gosh it's such hard work <laughs> and, and also when it's not your stuff oh, but it yes. is yours it's yes. very confusing yes and, and actually makes me my head spin a little bit even I just know. thinking about it I but know. yeah there are many ways in which one can help themselves if they are feeling in a place of codependency yeah, so, I think the bottom line is to be, as I say, take away, lose the self-contempt and um, really, really be aware of how you feel. And, and feelings mustn't, must, we must stop thinking that they're right or wrong. I spend my whole life thinking, uh, well, I'm feeling hurt by what he or she just said, but, but I'm, probably, it, it, I'm probably being silly. You know, I'm probably being silly. It, it's not a question. That's how I feel. That's what I have to say to other people. Like, mm. That's how you feel. It's not silly. It's not ridiculous. It's not mm. crazy. It's how you feel. Mm. And that's really important to respect that. Mm. It's not right. It's not wrong. It's just a feeling. Totally. But you have to take responsibility for that rather yes. than thinking that they... That, that, that yeah. It's not their fault. No. It's, oh, my gosh. It's our fault. It's exactly. each person's <laughs> responsibility. Our responsibility. Yes. yes, yes. Exactly. So, okay, so that's the first thing. Is there anything else in particular that you think really helps with codependent like sort of getting through your codependency um no i think it's 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 really a question of the self-perception i mm. think that's the bottom line self-perception see yourself as um being enough not 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 that you're not you um see yourself as being always enough for whatever it is or or even great I mean if you can get as far as thinking that you're amazing and great that's that's a huge plus yeah. but stop the self-contempt because that will damage everything totally the, I actually read Codependent No More by Melody Beattie have mm-hmm. you read that I think so yes, it, yes yeah. it rings a bell she's so wonderful and I actually put her book in the link on the Yes, the great. Podcast yeah. notes because it is quite a good one. Yes, sort of starting yes, out. Absolutely. I remember reading it the first time, thinking, "This isn't me." Like da 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 da. That's what we do. Again, yeah. and I was like, "Wow, how much?" And how how, how much later did you read it the second time? Four or five years. Okay, so quite a lot of yeah. time had passed. Yeah. 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 Four years, I think. You see, a lot of time, a lot of things can change in a short time oh my once gosh, you totally, start to. Totally, yeah. totally, totally. It's like Pandora's box once yeah. you get in there. But, it, but what's amazing to me is how the mind is the thing. You know, we it's it's only our minds that are ruining us. Mm. So if we just change um, the way we think. Um, there was a lady called Louise Hay who's very, very famous. She's died now, but she she was, I think, one of the greatest cultivators of self-help things yes I've got her book up there you You can heal your life exactly and she changed my world really and one of the things I used to go and see her talk one of the things she used to say is you have to jump out of bed and you have to look at yourself in the mirror and you have to say I love you I love you I love you you're beautiful you're beautiful you're beautiful and it it, it was 
I tried it. It was quite hard. You felt a bit foolish. Yeah. I felt a bit foolish saying it. But it sort of, I, the whole thing sunk in. Totally. And, and I understood what, where she was getting at. And it's, it's the mind. So if you feel like you can't do something because you're not clever enough or whatever, change that. Say, I can. I can do. Mm. I can. Anything is possible. Because really, it is. It's only your mind that's stopping you. Totally. Have you ever had tapping? I have, yes. So I actually tried it for the first time a few weeks ago. And? And it was amazing. Oh my gosh, I honestly broke. Really? Yeah, really? it was so wonderful. And it was that initial thing, which is I love and accept myself fully. Or I fully love and... That's whatever right, the yes, thing is. exactly. And for some people, you know, that can be really, really challenging to say that. But the more that you say it... Yes. You, believe, you start believing yes. it. Yes. It's, I think tapping is so cool. I, the whole sort of yes, I, I must try it again. I, I used to do it on. I used to do it as I walked around the park, and I, I haven't done it for a while. It's it. Yes, you must. I it's must, amazing. Yeah. Just tapping on all your sort of meridian yes. points or, or something, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, I loved that. It's a powerful affirmation, isn't it? Yeah. You say it and you tap, and it's. Um, I think it's something to do with the brain associates the f- yeah. the, f- the physical feeling with the totally mental with the mental affirmation. I think yeah. something like it's that. It's ama- it's really really amazing. I actually might go back and have another yes. session, but it was so powerful just for kind of rebalancing and acknowledging. I actually just tried it. Um, one of my friends is just qualified, so she was like, "Come try it." So mm-hmm. it wasn't as though I was sort of searching for it, which mm-hmm. I almost think is even more of a testament to how powerful it is yes. because I didn't you know necessarily felt so I yeah. really really needed it but it was amazing um okay so coming on to boundaries yes so they're so they're obviously so personal and they're so different for everyone I do a lot of boundary work with my clients I've done it with myself and I find it so powerful but what would you say is the best tip for setting a boundary um or the easiest way to do it or what's your experience perhaps with Um, again it's it's when you're in the throes of feeling it's incredibly hard to to know but as I said before I think that for me it's the moment that you begin to feel and it's always a physical feeling Mm -hmm. for me it's in my tummy it probably is for most people a physical feeling of hurt like Mm -hmm. you know that awful stabbing hurt that you feel when somebody has said something or or when you're confused like Wait, you're having a, an argument with your boyfriend or girlfriend and and they su- suddenly the, 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 the truth has been twisted round and you'll think, well, what, how, am I going mad? And there is this insinuation that you're going mad. It's at those sort of points when you're confused or hurt or, um, or you realise that you're suddenly taking on the blame for something that you shouldn't be taking yeah. on the blame. It's, it's all... But it's the main thing is to be aware that's the first thing rather than the main thing the first thing is to be aware because otherwise you just are set mm. set in your you're stuck in your ring exactly and it's the people pleasing you and know the people all of those people who mm. are out there constantly people pleasing people pleasing people pleasing and yes. feeling awful yes. within themselves or absolutely worn out or whatever worn it might out be. is one and yeah. yeah and i think that that's when you need to confused um, as well no yeah, so confused. confused emotionally and also a very emotional. So yeah. when I, wherever you are, if someone said boo to you in the street, yes. you might burst into yes. tears. Yes, I've definitely felt myself, you know, years ago in that kind of place, and that's when I knew that my boundaries were non-existent. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I definitely think that that's something where in which you sort of know that you're at a place of actually. I'm powerless to yes. what's going on. I right think now. it's really. Um, I mean, I think for me, I will always do the knee jerk. My knee jerk response will always be. Um, 
the, 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 the little girls one, the people-pleasing thing, until I've got this, then I've got this voice in my head now that goes, no, 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 come on, stop, 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 stop. And I have to listen to that voice and I have to sort of step, it's almost like, as you say, I step away from the ring, step away from me and say, in order to protect me, mm-hmm. I have to say no. No is the best word in the whole world. And I didn't start saying it until I was in my 40s. Wow. It was such a frightening thing for me to say. but And it is for so many people I know that. But it's really, really easy to say once you've said it once. And it's really astonishing the response you get. It, it, you never get a huge hoo-ha response. You always get people saying, oh, OK. And then it's all mm. really? And I spent that long it's always rather astonishing. Totally. And also it's that thing where actually because you spent your life second guessing how someone's yes. going to react to something, you think if you say no, that they're going to react in a certain way and yes. realize they don't. And then you realise that actually you're not controlling how they're no. thinking or feeling. So actually it's like, oh great, cool, well, I can let go of all this now. Yeah. I can say no more. Exactly. Um yeah, it's really powerful. So saying no is saying no the is best the, thing that yeah. we can do. Yes. For sure. And then okay, so and if you can say no not in an explosive way that's what because I think that maybe the first time I said it was an explosive way because it was all my pent-up feelings and panic panic and then it came out all wrong so if we can just learn to say it very calmly and also the other thing is perhaps actually allowing some time yeah so rather than feeling as though you need to answer to that person right then and there yes saying it's a good tip I'll come back to you yeah and you can then digest it feel okay with it and not react on your emotions yes exactly well done yes responding yeah that's a very good point yeah Um, so yeah so taking some time because you know maybe people are in offices whereby you know they might have an addict mother or father and so they've constantly been brought up like this and then with their boss they act in a certain way it's actually no wonder you don't like your job because Mm -hmm. the relationship between you two isn't healthy so if you start working on yourself and that's also the thing to remember is that it's a family disease addiction yes so when one person starts working on their stuff it sort of filters through domino effect yeah domino effect and that's why everyone needs to sort of hold their hand up and things anyway slightly going off point but yes yes you know what I mean so self-care I know it's like a huge thing that's being thrown around and I was wondering what your biggest sort of self-care tips or things are um I'm being a bore but I'm gonna say number one is the vigilance about how I'm talking to myself vigilance about you know am I beating myself up or am I just right in the middle there saying I'm I'm enough I'm enough Mm -hmm. I'm I'm fine um so that's the number one thing because I'm aware that it's me that creates my own miseries most of the time um number two I think connection, connection to others yes. is the, is crucial, really, really crucial. We're, we're living in a very, very sort of lonely age with social media and connection to others. And I mean connection, what I mean by connection is not just um, a wave on Facebook or something. It's about finding people in your life that understand you. So you need to feel understood and nurtured and... Um, I think understood is really the main thing mm. because when you feel strange or different, you feel so lonely. Yeah. So feeling understood is is the most important thing. Connection, d- just sharing your stuff is mm. is we're wired to connect as human beings. We have to connect in a deeper way than we're totally. doing now for our mental health. And also making sure that the people that you have in your life, obviously they understand you, but the ones that really don't, you don't need them. No. Or maybe you don't need them for the moment. Yes. And actually being okay with sort of 
small on your friendship group or whatever it might be. Yes, and being okay with not being loved by everyone. Yeah. It's very, very important. Of course. I've, I've just done that this morning. I had to come to some agreement in my head that <laughs> I didn't need to be loved by everybody and that there, because there was a, somebody that clearly doesn't love me. <laughs> no, I don't mean in a relation, relationship, mm. a, a, a sort of a friend, an acquaintance rather than... And, um, yeah, I think that's very important to realise that you don't... Not everybody's going to love you. Yeah. So... So climbing off that branch yes, on the tree and yes. just being okay with it. Yeah, yeah. it's fine. Absolutely. So, but walking is a huge one for mm. me. So walking is important because when you're... it's very if you're physically stuck inside your little room in your flat or house you are allowing all this enormous stuff inside your head to fill it and fill it and fill it and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger it is literally the walls of your house are like the walls of your your mind if you go outside it does tend to sort of all the stuff inside your head does tend to sort of I don't know jiggle down and and get a bit a bit more sort of evened out because you see just by being out in nature or just being around people even if you're in a city how you're just a small cog in this very big wheel and that's very good for perspective totally that's and also just the walking the walking you know gets the energy flowing and that's obviously incredibly good for mental health Absolutely, it really, really is. Yeah. I love walking and yes. you know, living in a busy city like London, it's a rarity that actually I manage to get to the park. I try to as much as possible, but mm-hmm. it's mainly at the weekend. Mm-hmm. So I love being out. But it's good if you can walk even from A to B. Yes. Even because I drive everywhere, well, not everywhere, but a lot of the places because I feel like I'm always rushing around. Yes. Yeah. But this morning, even I just walked to the post office. Yes. And I just, rather than driving, yes. I just walked and, and I, I walked to you and this you morning. Yeah, yeah. I think we've done our, we've done our daily yes. walk. Yes. Yes. Oh, Nikki, well, thank you so oh, much for sharing everything with us and my for pleasure. giving us your tools and techniques and your story and everything. So my it's pleasure. lovely to see you. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Tori. I hugely enjoyed chatting to Nikki about her experience and one of the things that I found most helpful in my journey is reaching out when in need. Talking to close friends and sharing with others really is so powerful. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I would be eternally grateful if you could share with your friends and family and of course I would love any feedback that you might have. Next week is a rather exciting episode with the first ever man appearing on the T-Balance podcast. I can't wait. I'll be back at the same time. See you then. Bye!